I'm Matt, and this is Ghostropology. This podcast is an exploration of ghostly folklore and its relationship to the cultures that produce it. I don't know where or when you are listening to this, but I hope that it's dark outside, as that is the best time for ghost stories. Episode 63, Summer Camp Ghost Stories with Don Burley. I'm being joined for this episode by an old friend of mine, Don Burley, who used to work as a counselor at a Girl Scout summer camp. So, Don, if you'd be willing to introduce yourself and then tell us a bit about uh, what it is that a counselor does at a summer camp, and then we'll get into how that relates to ghost stories. My name is Don Burley, and I worked at a summer camp in Southern California in the mid-aughts. So what does a camp counselor do at a Girl Scout summer camp? It really depends on the camp, but the camp that we were at, the counselors were with the kids almost all the time. You had like your one, two hour break during the day and, you know, eventually the kids go to bed, you hope. But other than that, you know, you're with them all day as they go through their meals. So you're kind of counting the kids, you're putting on the program for the kids, um, which is what we call the activities at campus program. And then also just kind of kind of trying to look after them, make sure no one's getting dehydrated, first aid, medicine, all those kinds of things. So yeah, the program was, was, you know, just kind of run by us. And we had a few facilities we'd go to, art booth. We had some ropes courses that we could run or get some help with. And we didn't have to cook all the time. So that was nice. We had a, a cafeteria on camp. So it was uh, something between a general babysitter slash caregiver and emergent, immediate emergency response personnel, depending on exactly what was called for at any given time. That, and then also, you know, we're the ones doing all the fun and games. So if we're doing an mm-hmm. activity, we're explaining it, we're running it. Oftentimes, you know, I don't know if the kids always realize this, we're coming up with it that morning or the day before and finding all the materials for it. So yeah, so it was it was a lot of fun, but it was definitely also, you had to kind of make yourself be brave because you'd be walking around like the darkened camp where we know there are mountain lions that come into camp. And this is one of those things that like makes me anxious. And, you know, you'd be walking your buddy line of kids and going, yeah, kids, it's fine. There's definitely not a mountain lion in that bush. Let's keep going, you know? So, you know, it was fun and it was, we weren't too far from civilization really, but we were, you know, far enough away. You weren't hearing cars all the time. You weren't seeing like lights from buildings, that kind of stuff. It was just us out there. So did the counselors stay in the same cabins as the campers or what was the uh, lodging like? So counselors would have their own cabin, but the cabin would be the same as the one that the campers got. So there were different different little sub camps within the camp that depending on what program you came to camp to do, you'd stay at a different one. You know, if you were, you'd be at the horse camp, for example, if you were doing an equestrian program, if you were a little kid, you'd be in one of the camps that's closer to the cafeteria. So the one that I was at had platform tents. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're just in a platform tent. It's not any special dif- distance from the kids' cabins. You know, I think we're maybe like 12 feet in between tents. And then that's kind of a raid around a bathroom and a little area with some cooking stuff and some tables. And most of the cabins were kind of like that. The cabins themselves would be different. Some of them were a little bit more, this is clearly a cabin. And there was actually one section where the kids just slept outside on the hill, like on cots. 
And what's the age range of the children who attend camp? The youngest kids, we would do one session with five-year-olds and six-year-olds per summer. But for the most part, most of the kids were kind of in that like eight to 13 range. Again, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, now I'm a middle school teacher. This is one of the reasons why lots and lots of fun times working with those teenagers at camp. How old were most of the counselors? Almost all the counselors were 18. There were a couple of 19, 20-year-olds. And in every group, there was one person who, they were supposed to be 21, but oftentimes they'd be 19 or 20. They were supposed to be an older person to be the unit leader. And then also you'd have a smattering of, you know, some some older folks, maybe like in the early 20s range, every now and then one or two 30-year-olds, you know, who were doing a more official camp position. But most of the counselors were really, really young. Okay. So you have teens to early 20s, late teens to early 20s overseeing children who range from as young as five up to 13, with the mm-hmm. majority being in groups that are somewhere between eight and 13. Yeah. And and there were some kids as old as 18. Again, we had programs that went to that, but just in terms of the most common ages, that eight to 13. Okay. Now, what inspired us to want to do this episode was that you had sent me a story that was in circulation when you were working at the camp, but it was a story that, as you put it, the counselors told each other. So before we get into that, I want to ask, were there other you know, spooky stories that were being told either between the kids who attended or from the counselors to the kids? As a kid going to that camp, I didn't run into a lot of spooky stories because frankly, that wasn't what I was looking for at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. But when I came back as a CIT, so a counselor in training when I was about 16, we did run into some other things. They're less whole stories and more just like, oh, yeah, you know, that cabin where that girl committed suicide or, you know, those kinds of things. And sometimes, you know, if you come in quickly, you could see her like those kinds of little stories. But from what I ran into, it wasn't so much formal. Like it wasn't a lengthier, oh, who was that girl and how did she get there? What happened? It was just like, oh, yeah, we see this person in that cabin. And I think some of that also might have been inspired because in CIT, we talk about how camp, although it's it's a really wonderful place, it can be also a place that some people, you know, some people are coming away from their problems to camp and it makes them not want to go home. And so we have had kids, not while I was, you know, a counselor there, but previously and after who have committed suicide at camp, for example, partly, you know, philosophy being that, you know, oh, well, I'm happy here. This is my happy place. That's what I want to remember. Yeah. So we were hearing about that as CITs. And I think that might have also, you know, given our imaginations a boost there. So they weren't really narrative stories so much as more phenomenological. I experienced this sort of things. Exactly. And some of them, you know, were like, oh, my older sister said, you know, or I talked to so-and-so. One of the weird things at camp was you could be, you could work on camp at 16 in the dining commons. You couldn't be a counselor, but it put you in this weird position where if you were a CIT, you went back to being a camper. And so as someone who was working in the kitchen, you know, for example, I had a friend who she talked to some of the other folks about like, oh, you know, we see this, we know that we heard about this. And so she would bring some of those stories to CIT. So these were stories that weren't being told by counselors to kids, but rather stories no. that were in circulation amongst the kids. 
Exactly. Yeah, definitely. The counselors would not have been telling kids any realistic, scary stories, like maybe mm -hmm. goofy stuff, you know, but nothing that was going to be like, we knew if they stayed up late at night that we were the ones who had to stay up with them. Right. And yeah, you weren't going to tell them anything that you thought was actually going to frighten them. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Thrill them maybe and get them excited for a few minutes, but nothing that was going to, nothing that was going to frighten them. Did you have any stories as counselors that you did tell the kids, you know, whether they were specifically ghost stories or not that were intended to have that effect? There were some like, oh, you know, counselor or counselors or campers like are getting stolen off the end of a line, but it like ends in because they're going to a party with the camp mascot, you know, oh, okay. and that kind of stuff. That's like, it seems as you're going along, like it would be a little creepy. But then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, okay, that's fine. It's structured as a horror story, but is actually about everybody going to a fun party. Exactly. Okay. I know one of the questions I sent you was, was there some sort of a purpose of telling children these stories? And the answer is no, because you weren't telling them these stories. We absolutely weren't. No. And in fact, like, yeah, like it was very much every single time that we, that these stories came up, it would start with, do not tell this to the campers. And that, you know, you should be careful where you tell the story. We do not want the campers to overhear. Okay. So, you know. Now, you've mentioned uh, the unfortunate cases of suicide and how that could lead to folklore. And of course, we were well aware that that's also very common on college campuses, other places where young people are. Were there any other types of stories that you are aware of that were in circulation amongst the kids? Definitely. I mean, I mentioned earlier, again, not supernatural stuff, but in terms mm -hmm. of we knew there were mountain lions that that were on the camp and that, you know, kids, for example, one of the other campers I was with at the time when I was in camp at a previous experience at camp, she'd woken up one morning, you know, on those campgrounds that the kids aren't in cabins, they're on the hillside. And mm -hmm. she looked up and been like, I can see a mountain lion walking past. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. So they're, you know, stuff like that or like mountain lions attacking the horses and, you know, what did the counselors do about it? That kind of stuff. So there, was, there were some scary stories going around, but I don't think there were. They weren't and spooky some... or creepy. They were, hey, there's wild animals here. And the things that could be spooky or creepy, like, for example, there were some cold spots in the meadow, which was like just a big big meadow that you had to walk through to get to a lot of places but whereas that could have been dealt with as kind of like oh it's the cold spot in the meadow instead like it was always dealt with as like oh guys it's so hot let's stop in the cold spot and trying to be like yeah this is it's the lowest point so it's where the cold air flows through you know and trying to just be very you know science focused with the kids too and and I that's the kind of thing I feel like some campers might have had their own little stories mm -hmm. about. It seems like it'd be really easy to build that. But, you know, I didn't ever hear counselors telling kids about it or that kind of thing or hear about it as a camper. And in fact, it sounds like you were subverting some of the kind of typical, you know, alleged haunted lore tropes like cold spots by saying, here's the physics and it's a hot day. Let's go hang out there. Exactly. Yeah. OK, so. Definitely. I think a big focus of the Girl Scout camp is making the kids feel safe. So even if the counselors are, are pretty terrified sometimes, we try not to ever let the kids know it or like, you know, if there's anything going on, we try to reshape it some or reframe it some way for them. Now, you did send me an audio recording that you made of some of the stories and we're going to drop it right here. Dear Girl is a camp story. It's not told to the kids at Girl Scout camp, but the counselors tell the stories themselves. Basically, at the Girl Scout camp where I worked, 
there was one particular group of living spaces that to get to, you had to go up several hundred stairs. It was called Hilltop, fittingly, being at the top of a hill. And, you know, of course, this was like a wilderness Girl Scout camp. So we were, you know, we were out in the boondocks. There weren't, you know, other houses around or anything like that. But, you know, it's a 15 minute walk to the next Girl Scout set of cabins. So Hilltop was kind of isolated and you couldn't really see the other cabins from there. And you could, you, you know, had to walk up this tree covered path to get to the top. So you can imagine like people were a little freaked sometimes, especially at night. But one time a counselor was walking up the path at night after, you know, taking a break after the kids went to bed. And she saw a young girl, white nightgown. Um, She assumed a camper had gotten out of bed. So she started to chase the girl. When she caught up with her, the girl was no longer there. Instead, there was a deer, you know, which would be like one thing, except for that there's also been sightings by the campers. So we had a girl who during the night, she must have gotten up to use the restroom. You're supposed to take a buddy because girls can camp even in the middle of the night. You know, that way if a cougar takes a child, there's someone to sell them the alarm, right? Anyway, very logical, whatever. In the morning when the kids got up, the buddy was like, you know, under the bunk and saying, you know, I think she got her, that kind of thing. And the other girl was not in the cabin. When they looked around the unit, they found the other girl kind of scrunched behind the toilet. You know, those kinds of toilets you find in public places that don't have the tank. They just kind of have the pipes. And she'd shoved herself all the way behind the toilet and like locked the door and was saying, don't let her get me. So I don't know what they saw, but a lot of people draw the conclusion that this was Deer Girl, the same character. They've had other weird occurrences in Hilltop as well. Frequently, the their platform tents are the kinds of structures that are up there for everything but the bathroom. And frequently, the platform tents will seem to move on their own. This might have something to do with having big PVC tubes at the bottom that mice can run through, but no, definitely ghost guys. And also, the counselor cabin is a particular trouble spot. We've had counselors thrown out of bed onto the picnic table. We've had stuff thrown around, that kind of thing. So, you know, I never encountered Deer Girl, and it's unclear as to whether she's neutral or malevolent. We don't know. What we do know is that camp used to be a ranch long, long time ago, maybe in the 30s. And before that, of course. And the site of the actual house for the ranch was pretty close to Hilltop. It wasn't at Hilltop, but it was pretty close to Hilltop. So a lot of people suggest that if there are ghosts at Hilltop, that's why. So Don, you'd said that uh, there was a bit more to the Deer Girl story than what you'd initially uh, told me in that recording. Could you tell me a bit about that you know as i mentioned i you know i'm kind of like i'm kind of a scaredy cat so i don't super love walking around between the tents you know in the dark and that kind of thing and the session where i got told the deer girl stories was of course the session where i was staying in the campground where that is supposed to have occurred and one of the reasons the other counselors decided that they should tell me the story was because we kept getting called over to a particular set of cabins. The way that the tents, the platform tents are done, they have a wooden platform on the bottom. They have bunk beds inside of that. They have a frame. And then they have walls that have PVC pipes at the bottom kind of holding them down. 
And these girls kept either we would hear them, you know, screaming or they would send, you know, a buddy buddy group over to the camp counselor cabin be like, something's outside our cabin. Something's outside our cabin. Can you come check? And we'd go check and, you know, it'd be fine. They would describe like, oh, the wall had been moving um, or they heard something in the leaves, which if you've ever, you know, gone hiking in Southern California, that's that's just kind of how it or goes. But anywhere. Yeah, really, yeah. like just lizards and leaf litter. It, it's a thing. And we had wild turkeys on camp that would kind of roam through these areas mm-hmm. at night. So, you know, we we had reasonable explanations to give the, the kids, but I, I think they maybe had heard the deer girl story. And so that was part of the context of the other counselors sharing that with me and with the other new newer counselors was so that, you know, we could kind of subvert some of those things and hopefully get the kids calmed back down. But it was it was several nights during that session where that would happen. We would put them to bed around nine o'clock and then we would maybe get to go to sleep at like 11, 1130 when I guess they finally gave up on coming to get us when they got scared or decided that it was, you know, they should believe our explanations. And the deer girl story, as I understood it from your recording, essentially a counselor was walking, saw a girl about the age of one of the campers. And when they went to check, there was a deer there instead. Yeah. So the deer girl stories, it's kind of like a group of stories. And basically what it is, is weird stuff happens at Hilltop. Okay. So Hilltop is, it's not that it's further than any of the other cabins as far as from the camp, but it has this really tall hill you go up that has a couple hundred, literal Mm -hmm. hundred steps. And also it's supposedly near the, there used to be a ranch on the site and the ranch was turned into the Girl Scout camp. And supposedly Hilltop is near where the ranch house was. So it's, yeah, there, there's a whole group of stories. So it's, it's supposed to be, you know, the same thing that counselor saw as a deer is maybe the thing that scared the girls that were hiding in the bathroom, you know, and maybe the thing that walks around the tent sometimes, you know, it's all supposedly the same entity. Okay. So the idea being that there's just something there that could take any number of different forms, but because Mm -hmm. it was seen as a girl and then a deer once, that's kind of the name that stuck. Exactly. Deer girl is a lot more descriptive than random thing that scares the kids into the bathroom. That's true. So you told me that this story was told amongst the counselors with the intention that it would not be told to the kids who attended. Why were the counselors telling it to each other, do you think? Well, I think they were telling it to us because they wanted to make sure if the kids had heard something that we also knew about it. But I think there was also just kind of an element of like thrill. Mm -hmm. And one of the counselors who was there in particular you you can imagine if you've ever been to Girl Scout, well, obviously you haven't been to Girl Scout camp, but if that anyone who's ever been of. to Girl Scout camp, right, <laughs> knows that you've kind of like got a variety of people there, but the there is definitely a sort of more spiritually open counselor type that you tend to have a few of. And there definitely were a couple who were like, no, there's bad vibes in Hilltop. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I one of them claimed that she'd been thrown out of her bunk a couple times by this entity, mm-hmm. you know, and so she was one of the people who was involved in telling the story. And I think from her perspective, it's this is a real concern. Like this could be what's bothering the girls. This could be a real threat. But it was not told by just the one person. It was like added on to by multiple. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. And so and so also said this and so and so also said this. So I don't think it was just like really retelling what people believed, but I think that was a little part of it too, like as well as helping prepare us for being able to talk to the girls and kind of, you know, make sure we weren't learning about it from them. Correct me if I'm wrong, 
but it sounds like yeah. part of it might also have been a way of kind of initiating counselors, you know, okay, we've got this bit of folklore that's ours. And now that you're here, it's yours too. Do you, do you think that's yeah, correct? I think so. Cause most of the time when I talk to other um, counselors about it, where they had heard it first was their first session that they had counselored at Hilltop. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely my first session that I'd been a full counselor at Hilltop. That makes me think of when I was at uh, Santa Cruz as a student, there were a few stories that uh, it was Santa Cruz. We had some of the, as you put it, spiritually open people who believed everything they heard because it was Santa Cruz. Most of us didn't believe it, but it was one of those things of, well, now that you're a student here, here's the stories that you should know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You say part of it was maybe just getting a thrill. Part of it was being prepared to deal with students. And it sounds like part of it was initiation. Was it common for counselors to tell scarier or creepy stories to each other? Or is this just sort of a, once you've got this one, you kind of have the deal? I mean, depending on what space you were at, like I said, there weren't a lot of supernatural stories at our camp. Mm-hmm. But like when you counselor at horse camp, you got all of the here's how we protect our horses from, you know, mountain lions. And here's what you do if you hear one. And here's what so and so did, you know, and all of those kinds of things. So I think there was a little bit of of that kind of thing where like individual locations within the camp, because they were so different, had a little of their own lore. And and maybe, you know, just kind of as you you counselored there, you got a little bit of that. But I don't think that we we spent a ton of time trying to scare each other. It was a big camp. There were not a lot of lights. If you wanted to scare someone, you need to do nothing more than jump out from behind a bush. And we didn't have a lot of free time together without the kids, especially not that you got to spend with like the people you were choosing. It was kind of just whoever you were working with that week you hung out with. So that definitely plays a part too, I think. So it was a very much more of a work atmosphere kind of thing. So you you would have a story that everybody would know. But by and large, most of what you talked about was more oriented towards the work you were doing. Yeah, for a lot of it. And then, you know, when you went and saw your friends during your two hour breaks, you were running into into town for coffee or you were like, hey, let's see if we can watch a movie or have you read the latest Harry Potter or any of that stuff, you know? It's interesting because there's this kind of classic idea of the going to summer camp and the counselors trying to scare the kids and the kids telling each other stories. But it sounds like, most of the stories that get told amongst the kids more, you know, less here's the creepy story and more phenomenological. I had this experience. And then what you've got between the counselors is really pretty narrow to either. Yeah, this is scary, but you need to know this for practical reasons, you know, to protect the horses from the mountain lions or, you know, okay, here's our bit of lore. Now that you're here, you're going to learn it. And now let's get down to business. I think that definitely was true at my Girl Scout camp. When I did not go to any Y camps that didn't involve, you know, having either it being a day camp or having, you know, our folks there. And there are some of those situations where like somewhat creepy stories were told. But, you know, as far as overnight camps, I can't help but think you got to think you're going to be the person having to put these kids to bed. And I think that uh, that might help keep the stories a little less spicy, at least from the counselors. It's interesting because I I know I'd had that preconception. I think a lot of people do that these camps would be a hotbed for this type of folklore. But for very practical reasons, they're not. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that is in of itself is actually pretty interesting. Is there anything else that you'd like to uh, talk about while we're recording? Well, if you'd like, I'd be happy to tell you about one of those day camp stories. Oh, certainly, Um, if you'd like to. Okay. So 
I mentioned that I'd had different experiences at day camp with regards to scary stories and counselors. And these were YMCA uh, day camps in Southern California, correct? I believe so. This one okay. was at one of the local lakes, so it might have been a local camp, but I think it was Y camp. Okay, but it was Sorry, an outdoor they, camp. Yeah, outdoor okay. camp, you know, around the lake all day, running from bees, eating outside, fishing in the lake, all the things, going on hikes. And so like, I, and I know that this was not a one-off because I have younger siblings who also attended this camp, but one of the stories that would get told was this story called the Holland devil. Mm -hmm. And it was a super creepy story that we all remembered super well and like would retell to each other when we would go camping and freak the heck out of each other. So, you know, this, this camp is by a lake, but the counselor always starts with like, obviously it's not this lake, it's a lake in Holland, because this is the Holland devil, which I think is that like, you know, if your parents tell, say I made you scared tonight, it wasn't my fault. That was a, you know, far distant story, I swear. But so the story of the Holland devil is that these two boys were, they were kind of exploring around a local lake. And as they're exploring, they come across a cave and, you know, being they're exploring, so they decide to go into the cave and it's kind of dark. And as they go in, the ground gets kind of weird kind of squishy and ultimately even gets like squelchy like when they step they can hear their boots like into the whatever it is that's underfoot and so it kind of gets a little weird but they're you know, they convince each other you're like no we should keep going obviously we should keep going we want to see how far this cave goes this is really big they keep going until you know one of them they like have a flashlight or something and they decide to turn it on and they realize that not just the floor but also the walls is covered in this red jelly-like substance and they can kind of see up ahead that there are some things embedded in the jelly-like substance. You know, so they they obviously, you know, you can't just not take a look once you see that a mere 10 to 15 feet deeper into this cave, there's something. Because I don't think these people had played D&D &D clearly. Otherwise, they would have come back with a weapon. Or seen a horror movie. Right. Apparently not. So, like, you know, they walk up to the cave wall and they realize that there are some really big bones in there. And they kind of take a minute and they're like, is that a femur? That's a, that, that's a femur. That's a, is that a human? That's a human skull. Okay. That's exciting. Oh, I take know, it back. Point, this is totally a D and D thing. <laughs> at that point they go, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we, we clearly should get out of here. And they start to hear this voice and it's like, just kind of laughing. Like it's not talking to them. They just kind of hear that there's someone else there kind of like, <laughs> like, oh, being creepy at them. They hadn't noticed that there were any like offshoots on their way in, but somehow there's something that appears to have gotten in front of their exit. So they both, you know, they're both trying to basically like, okay, we're going to run out of here. We're going to dodge around it. And one of the kids gets grabbed and the other kid, you know, they're just operating on the, you don't have to be faster than the bear, just faster than your friend principle. Mm -hmm. So they book it out of there. And as they look back, they see, you know, their friend screaming face aghast as like this creature reaches in to their leg and starts pulling out their bones. So that person goes home and they, you know, presumably they tell someone about it and no one believes them. I can't remember that part, you know, what, what exactly the council did with it. My, my older brother retold it. Sometimes this person would get chased out of the cave and have to hide in a pond and, you know, until the thing went away. But that night the, the kid is sitting in their bed and they think they hear this squelching noise. And they're, they're like, I am on the second story. I, nothing can happen. And then they hear a tapping on their window and they look over and the creature that they'd seen assaulting their friend is right there outside the window. And this is obviously where the story cuts to black because now, you know, mm -hmm. that kid got gotten to in the end. And 
you know, again, like this sufficiently scared me and my siblings that my older brother who took great joy in, in reworking and, and kind of trying to scare us all the time would retell versions of it around the campfire. And even my like my little brother, and my little sister ran into it later at that camp. So like, yeah, I that definitely <laughs> that camp was not worried about scaring their kids at all. Now, you say, though, that it was a day camp. So there mm-hmm. was no actual camping camping happening at the camp. Exactly. Uh, and they don't have to put the kids to bed. They don't. Uh, out of curiosity, do you think it was told just for the thrill? Or do you think there might have been some other thing going on with the counselors that they would decide this was a story to tell the kids? Honestly, when I got told it at camp, I remember the counselors being kind of grumpy with us that day. Like, <laughs> oh, these kids, like they're being such pains. I know we're going to put them in the pavilion, make them all sit there. and We're going to tell the most gruesome version of the Holland Devil story we can. So I don't know. That was my memory of it was that it was it was like a very cranky counselor doing her very best to scare all of us as much as possible. I know how to deal with these brats. Let's traumatize them. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if there was any other purpose besides just, you know, really trying to scare the kids and, and have some fun themselves at the same time. Because mm. I'm sure especially, I think I must have been under 10 when I heard that story. So like, they're not telling it to like teenagers. They're telling it to like kid kids. I, I don't imagine my counselors were much older than 16 or 17, kind of looking back. Like mm. they might have been 18 years old. Yeah, that whole punitive trauma thing might have been an element. Well, there you go. So two different types of camps, two different targets for creepy folklore. I really don't have any more questions for you at this point. I think that you've addressed most of what I would be asking. Uh, Is there anything that you'd like to say before we finish the recording? Uh, Just that I really like listening to the show. And thank you for letting me come on and and talk about some of the creepy, fun things that were at camp. Because I hope also that you get some other people maybe reaching out to you with some camp stories. Because I'm sure different camp experiences were way different. And maybe a Y camp or a Boy Scout camp might get you a... um, very different interpretation of how the counselors tell stories to kids too. So listeners, if you went to any sort of camp and these stories were part of it, Don wants you to write to me and let me know, do not disappoint Don. You will not like what happens. I disappointed Don once. I will never do it again. I have the scars to prove it. There we go. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes with the middle school teacher persona. Exactly. They, they don't know you. They don't know that you're a big teddy bear. That's right. That's cool. Great. Well, thank yeah. you for being on the show, Don. I really appreciate it. Of course. And I hope it was an interesting interview. I think it was. If you have a weird tale, have had a strange experience of your own, or know of a bit of local lore that should get a wider audience, please feel free to contact me at ghostthropology at gmail.com. That's G-H-O-S-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y at Gmail. You can find more at kmmamedia.com. Click on the Ghostthropology link and you can find episodes, transcripts, sources, and a link to support us through Patreon. Spooky!